0: Hello, Marvelites, you are listening to This Week in Marvel, episode number 523. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M.
1: And I'm Lorraine Sink.
0: Yes, this is actually a pretty landmark week. This week, we are celebrating the beginning of our 10th anniversary celebration year. You heard that right. Just celebrate it all year long.
1: You know, when you've been doing something for a decade, you deserve to celebrate as long as you want.
0: Right. Speaking of decades, Lorraine, you have worked at Marvel for 10 years.
1: I know, it's really wild. I first started freelancing for Marvel 10 years ago. I was hired on Halloween. It's just been a wild time ever since. I kind of can't believe it. I've been Marvel official full time for, I think, four or five years now. But 10 years, 10 big old years. But Ryan, you got me beat by a bit.
0: Yeah, on October 30th, which I forgot because of Halloween and everything going on, marked my 15-year anniversary as a Marvel employee, which is wild.
1: Which means you've got five years and one day on me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's been wild. 15 years. Must do 15 plus more. We're celebrating now and for quite a long time. So get excited, get celebratory with us. We're going to do some fun stuff over the next year.
1: Yeah. Get a horn and toot it.
0: Toot it all over. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that's what we're going to be doing because this is the official Marvel podcast where we talk about what's happening this week in Marvel from games, comics, movies, TV, and more. It's all about the stuff that we're excited about. We want you to get excited about. And we talk all about it. And speaking of things we're excited about, what's this week, Lorraine?
1: Marvel Studios Eternals is in theaters now. I hope you all have your tickets ready in hand for this weekend. Or maybe you've already seen it if you are in a major city that has early screenings. And there's going to be a whole bunch of stuff going on, I'm sure, throughout the week and month going on about Marvel Studios Eternals. We're going to see Marvel Studios Eternals inspired characters. I know for a fact that Cersei and Icarus are coming to Marvel Strike Force. There's that wonderful Marvel Studios Eternals ar story experience that you can check out on ipad or iphone you can download the app and then do this really cool story experience in your own home ar style it's really cool definitely check that out plus there's merch and toys and comics and all kinds of great stuff because it is eternals week
0: yeah by the time everybody is listening to this i will probably have seen marvel studios eternals again but finally in a big theater yes. at the Alamo Draft House in Yonkers, giving out some toys and having a good time and Where getting excited. Thursday, 6 o'clock. I always go to the first showing. For all the diehards who get the first tickets of the first show at my local theater, I want to be there with them and get excited. All right. Of course, Marvel Studios Eternals is huge. Experience it in theaters and get excited. But something that's going to be a ways down the road, but we just got news about, is that Marvel Games and Skydance New Media are working together to create an all-new interactive title. And if you don't know who Skydance Media is, maybe you've heard of Amy Hennig, who is, um, she's the like the head of their new media division, and she's a writer and director. She's done amazing video games like the Uncharted games, Uncharted 1, 2, and 3, Legacy of Kain, Soul Reaver, some other stuff, and she's incredible. In video game world, there are, of course, like high-profile directors and creators you think of like Hideo Kojima or Shigeru Miyamoto and many others I think Amy Hennig has a pedigree that puts her up there and she's just man she's just so cool and has done some really great work and it's very exciting so Marvel and Skydance are working together to develop a narrative-driven blockbuster action-adventure game featuring a completely original story and take on the Marvel universe that's all we can say right now I know what it is I'm so excited.
1: But if you like video game, yeah. there's going to be more video game because we're going to be talking about Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy with the folks behind the game. I know a lot of people are playing it. I'm playing it. I am not done yet. I saw that Anjali Grochet already lapped me and finished the game and I, then I got very frustrated.
0: I'm hearing people talk about it as their game of the year. And I think I would agree just from a narrative story, character standpoint, acting standpoint it's oh, it's so good all right let's talk about a brand new infinity comic out this week we have hulkling and wiccan infinity comic number one available exclusively on marvel unlimited it's the first chapter in a four-part story by creators josh Trujillo, jody nishijima and matt mila and look it's hulkling and wiccan and of course we know that last year they got married and they've had their honeymoon and all this sweet stuff but in the story, an artifact shows them the past not taken in Life and Love. So what does that mean for Billy and Teddy? Will they find their way back to each other? And how does Agatha Harkness factor into all this? Look at that. Yeah, you put yeah, all that yeah. good juice together.
1: Oof. It was Agatha all along. I love this. It's giving me very much sliding doors vibes. Do you remember that movie? I can't remember if it's two or three scenarios, but it's all if she would have gone through this one door. How it would have changed her life.
0: So it's sort of like a what if.
1: It's very much like a what if. Very now much. I want
0: to watch it. I love me a good what if.
1: And different haircuts.
0: I love a good haircut. Um, <laughs> and of course, for Hulkling and Wiccan Infinity Comic, you can visit marvel.com slash unlimited for more details on how to subscribe if you are not already an MU oh subscriber. Oh my gosh. Or just get in there and read that bad boy.
1: It's great. Also great, Hulk number one has a new trailer. If you haven't heard, now you know he is immortal no more. And he is going to take his uncontrollable rage to new levels. And not anyone, including even the Avengers, is going to be able to deal with it. This is, of course, coming in November from Donny Cates and Ryan Otley, who are crushing the game these days, man. And they're really reinventing the Hulk. And he looks really cool. He's got a cool kind of mechy mech suit. But also, if you watch the trailer that's playing on Marvel.com right now or on the Marvel YouTube channel, you can see Modoc. Wearing a full-on mech suit. And I just was like, Ryan, this is your next Halloween costume.
0: Someone make it for me. Give it to me.
1: It's so weird to see MODOK with like a normal-looking-sized head. Like his head actually goes with his body. Very strange. But great. Definitely check out that trailer and look out for Hulk number one this month.
0: Yeah. I love Donnie. He's the best. He's got big fun plans for this. And Ryan Otley is, man, Ryan's going to crush this. He did great work on Spider-Man. But his Hulk... Is so big, thick, scary, angry boy. Yeah. I'm all for it. It's going to be He's a
1: cranky Hulk.
0: Yeah. I know a lot of y'all are probably out there and excited and want to learn more about Morbius because maybe you watched the trailer for the Morbius movie that is coming out in January. Well, go check out the reading list on Marvel Unlimited to know more about Morbius. We have some great comic suggestions. We also recently put out, re-aired an episode of Marvel's Pull List where we talked about some Morbius comics with Danny Lore and there's some gnarly fangy morbius books that you can read right now
1: yeah and if you're looking for a book book definitely check out how to create comics the marvel way it's a new book by mark wade from simon and schuster and obviously mark wade is just A Straight Up Legend. It's going to be on sale July 5th of next year, but you can definitely go check out pre-orders now. And, you know, this is going to be an instructional book if you're interested in making comics. Obviously, he knows a lot about everything from writing to inking. (laughs) He's done a lot of it all. He's been in the comics industry for 30 years. He's done some of the most prolific comics of all time. Definitely check it out if you are interested in how to make your own comics, whether you want to be a creator or whether you're just really interested in how it works.
0: To me, this is like the spiritual successor to How to Draw Comics the Marvel Way, Mm -hmm. a classic from Stan Lee and John Buscema. And so, you know, you get Mark Wade, who one of my all time favorite writers, he's written some of my favorite books for our distinguished competition, some of my favorite books for us. If you've never read his run on Fantastic Four with Mike Waringo. Mm. Turn this podcast off for now, (laughs) temporarily. Boot up your Marvel Unlimited, go to your local comic shop, go to your library somewhere and start reading that run. It hurts my heart that we lost Mike Waringo so young and now so many years ago. Mike, such an amazing storyteller and a great artist. But I am so thankful that we have that run and it's so good. It's one of my favorite runs of comics of all time. But yeah, Mark gets to basically help you see what every part of the production process for comics is. And I think this is really, really helpful for someone who wants to understand just like the art that they are enjoying or someone who wants to make the art. It's going to be really, really cool. So I'm sure we're going to get copies of it and talk about it a little bit more by the the time it comes out in July of 2022. But it's real fun.
1: So many good reads, but we also have some great listens. Of course, Marvel's Wastelanders, Hawkeye, still going strong. Episode six is out now called Straight to the Heart. It's now available on the SXM app and Marvel Podcasts Unlimited on Apple Podcasts. And I love this podcast. Kate Bishop and Ash, the daughter of Clint Barton, finally are confronting the past. And Clint and Bobby are going to hash it out about what Ash's future should be. If you're not listening yet to this series, definitely check it out. And in fact, I'll help you out. Let's take a listen right now. Ash!
2: Ash! Where are you? Hey! Shut up! Bobby, shut your mouth, Clint! Shut it now! Well, you don't have anything to say for yourself? You just told me to shut up. I could strangle you.
1: I've made a camp near a settlement close to Seattle. It's a little island. I protect it and help people get across the border. It's nice. Yeah, okay. You could come with me, spend some time. I could show you the ropes. The ropes? Teach you some things. We could get to know each other. I just drop out of school and
3: leave my life here. Huh.
1: Like it's all working out well for you, right?
3: You don't know me, lady. And you don't know me.
2: Friends, family, brothers and sisters. So much hurting. So much pain.
1: I feel it for you. If I could slice out my soul and
2: give it to you to heal yours...
1: All right, you can hear the podcast first exclusively on Sirius XM on the SXM app or by subscribing to Marvel Podcast Unlimited on Apple Podcasts and of course coming soon everywhere else in the future. Learn more at SiriusXM.com/slash Wastelanders. I really truly do Enjoy this podcast. Shout out to Ellie Pyle on our team and Mr. Daniel for their great work on these podcasts, as well as the rest of the audio team and Jill DeBoff at all. So much great work.
0: Yeah. Speaking of great podcasts, the Women of Marvel podcast we told you last week has come back for a new season. Episode two is out now wherever you get your podcast. And it's all about witches. It's the perfect post-Halloween episode. The aforementioned Ellie Pyle talks to creator Rainbow Rowell, who we love. The Rainbow. The best talks to Rainbow and two super interesting historians about witches and magic in the Marvel Universe. They talk about the Salem Witch Trials, witches in pop culture, Marvel characters such as Agatha Harkness, Scarlet Witch, Morgan Le Fay, and Nico Minoru. So it's a big, witchy, wonderful episode. You can download it right now. And of course, new episodes are out weekly every Thursday.
1: Yeah. Ryan, you also do a podcast without me.
0: I know. And it's a Marvel's pull <laughs> list. And we have the current Eternals comic book writer, Kieran Gillen, on this week. <gasps> some synergy there.
1: I love him. I'm so excited that he's on. Yes. He's the best.
0: Kieran was on. Our reading club was to talk about Jack Kirby's Eternals run. Issues of that, which was, it was just a reason for me to reread the book. It just gobsmacks me of how friggin' good it is and how many ideas it has and how fast it is. Like, Jack just moves his story along so mm-hmm. fast. He's like introducing concepts and characters and building world and building mythology and like coming back to it and giving you like actual meaty bits about different characters. I love it so much. And, and so does Kieran. And we talked about that. We talked about the current series that Kieran is writing. So yeah, go check it out.
1: Also, Kieran Gillen, just one of my favorite creators of all time. Mm-hmm. He can do no wrong in my eyes. He is just the best. Man, he works with some of the greatest artists, too. Oh, my God. Like Asad Rabeek and Jamie McKelvey. Like, forget
0: it. I know. And Kieran has been writing these, like, special issues for the current Eternal series, which have been excellent. And he had Dustin Weaver draw one and Kaizama did another one. He talked about a third one that's on the way. I mean, man, to be blessed as a great writer, to have such great artists as your collaborators, truly, truly making some wonderful comics. Heck, Yeah. Speaking of great collaborators, me and you, Lorraine, we're very excited. Right now, we are actually doing some appearances on other podcasts and shows celebrating this 10th anniversary of This Week in Marvel. So we're going to let everybody know when those shows are out. And if you are out there and you have a podcast or a YouTube show, give us a shout. We'd like to talk about ourselves and the show and promote it and do all kinds of fun stuff. So give us a shout at Agent M at Lorraine Sink on the Twitter and, and we'll figure out if we can do it.
1: All right, Ryan, we promised Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, and I think we got to deliver it.
0: Yeah, we have two amazing guests this week. We have creative director Tim Sang from Marvel Games and art director for Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, Bruno Gaultier-Leban. And they're here to talk about all kinds of behind the scenes stuff for the game. But most importantly, the look and the art vibe of the title, because it's one of the most striking Marvel games we've had it really is something special when you're observing the world if you take a step back I will shout out Brendan Bigley who's on our Marvel distribution team he helps get the podcast out to everybody but he has been playing the game and he's been using the photo mode on his Twitter and he's been taking some really incredible black and white shots of the game and because of new high-end consoles are so high def they're gorgeous the photo mode in the game is so cool it's one of those things that i didn't know that i like really dug because i don't really play with the photo modes in games very much man that was friggin' terrific
1: heck yeah well with that let's go to our interview with tim and bruno
0: We have two amazing guests for this interview. We are talking about the game with the art director for Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, Bruno Gaultier Leblanc, as well as our pal Tim Sang, who is Marvel Games creative director. Bruno, welcome to the show. Wow, oh, thank you for having me. Yeah, Tim, good to see you, my friend.
3: Always good to see you guys as well.
1: Yeah. What is your Marvel origin story? What was the first way that you were introduced to Marvel as a fan?
2: Well, for me, it started as a kid collecting comics. Uh, I was actually a huge Marvel fan, especially X-Men in uh, I guess maybe Tim can correct me, but it was the Silver Age in the nineties and the early nineties with the uh, the new Jim Lee the
3: X-Men and I the- think that's more bronzy, right? That's, We're that's like about- Chromium
0: yeah. age. Yeah. I-
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's the modern age, if you're Mod- mo- sorry, these yeah, kids. the other way.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. But, uh, <laughs> that X-Men run from the 90s with that fold out cover of four pages there from Jim back in the day is it was amazing and I started collecting pretty much all the X-Men from there and the Uncanny X-Men and Age of Apocalypse. So yeah, that was uh, my intro to it and I love the X-Men. I don't collect them anymore but you know, I did for a good 10 years. I still have all my comic boxes in my kid's bedroom.
1: <laughs> Why have kids if you cannot push off your fun toys onto them. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. And <laughs> um, what about for you, Tim?
3: Yeah. I mean, my story really started out when I was pretty young and I actually grew up in Israel in my early days and it wasn't super big over there, but you know, my local bookstore, I would go often, and they had this like small little kind of milk crate with all sorts of comics, stacks and stacks of comics. Some of them didn't even have like you know covers I would just raid those comics it'll be like Spider-Man or Wolverine or X-Men of the sort right but from there I was hooked right so that was my intro through the comics and uh, I mean later on you know I played tons of the you know X-Men arcade games or the X-Men versus Street Fighter games that's kind of where it led my path to you know where I am today really
2: still probably some of the best X-Men standalone games are those Genesis yeah. or Genesis or arcade games. They were so good. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd, it's hard to see it, but I have the poster from the Genesis X-Men game behind me, which is really great. Cause if I ever pop that cartridge back into my Genesis, the back of that poster is like a strategy guide because that game <laughs> is hard as hell. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about Marvel's guardians of the galaxy and particularly your roles. Tim, What does a creative director for Marvel games do specifically on this title?
3: Well, overall, the goal is to help Bruno and his team in all the ways possible to make sure that the game is as authentically Marvel as possible, right? And to give them the freedom and elbow room to flex their vision and their take on the characters. And I feel like for the most part is really to collaborate with the IDOS team, and try to craft something that's iconic and recognizable, but it's all about doing something that's fresh and unique and something that people haven't seen before.
0: What about you, Bruno? Yeah, well, that's it. Like Tim
2: was saying, my job is to try to find that visual hook that makes us unique while paying respects to the source material, of course. We can't change everything completely, but at the same time, my job is to sometimes shock and push a bit Tim and his team, and then they bring us back and it's a very respectful back and forth. And I love it, but that's the only way that you can make a, a project yours, you know? So like, I like to say like on a dial to one to 10, the first thing we'll do is we'll put it to 12 and then we'll bring it back. But that's the only way you could see all the options you have. So my role on the project is really to artistically come up with a unique vision for the game, environments, characters, and all that stuff. And then with Tim, you know, we make sure that it's Marvel, but it's also Eidos Montreal. I think we succeeded. There's a unique feeling to this game.
3: Oh, absolutely. I can't agree
2: more.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Oh, it's so beautiful, too, you know, just going through these, like, otherworldly landscapes that are so different than, you know, you experience in games that take place on Earth, obviously. (laughs) Obviously, um, You don't have, like, whole planets of, like, pink goo. And space garbage (laughs) from battles and things, you know, and the gameplay is really fun where it's kind of this mix of being like both action packed, but also very sort of tactical. And there's lots of cool conversation between characters. How would you sort of describe the gameplay and the style of the game for folks who haven't played it yet?
2: Well, it's an action adventure game with a family that you try to control, but you don't control they have their behaviors and everything like that but you do play star lord and it's an action adventure game so it has a bit of its uh, normal tropes you walk around and like you said you have those nice moments with the guardians that there's more that banter between them which i think is very important for character building and then you have those all-out action fight scenes with big set pieces too and a few exotic gameplay so I would uh, consider this a roller coaster ride but with some downtime sometimes to really do some world building and character building
0: yeah i think the world building and character building are great points because that is happening all the time and i think it's a great testament to everybody who's worked on the game because it's there's world building in the sets there's world building during the combat where you're having conversations between characters that is unique to what's going on who they're fighting all the things sort of come together you're having this interactivity between all the characters and it's really fun because you're making a lot of choices for the other characters and like when you get into that rhythm of gameplay of like okay I'm gonna have Drax stun and stab these guys over here and then I'm gonna have Groot pop them up over here and then Rocket's gonna blow them up and then Gamora's just gonna slice and dice it just becomes so much fun and Maybe, Tim, if you could talk a little bit about the sort of making choices for the team and how that works in sort of the gameplay. I know y'all are on more of the art side, but we want to make sure that uh, any fans listening get a sense of what the game's like.
3: Yes, you mechanically and physically play as Star-Lord. But like Bruno said, throughout the entire game, you're with this family, this misfit family. And what do families do? They bicker, they argue, they get into fights and contradict each other. And then you as the leader have to guide them, lead them, solve problems and deconflict, conflict And that happens during gameplay, that happens in cinematics. And throughout this entire experience, you feel like you're a part of the Guardians. And during gameplay, it's exactly like what you said, Ryan. You initially start to kind of understand, oh, each character has an area they specialize in, right? Like Rocket, you know, his explosives, right? And, and Gamora with the slashes, Drax with the pounce and Groot with his crowd control kind of mechanic but then they also expand and then in terms of their abilities that gets unlocked which opens up what they're capable of so as you progress through the game you're really able to kind of like mix and match and freestyle on your opponents and the enemies and have that freedom and really express yourself as your guardians right and how you play And
2: also, there's a bit of a tactical aspect to that combat there, that some enemies will need Drax, because he's more of a guy who stuns them, and then you can come in for the final blow, and sometimes you'll need to combo your guardian's abilities together to get enemies, so there's a a tactical feel to it without being passive, like without stopping completely, like, time. And then it there's still, still stays in the action all the time. And that's how Star-Lord's giving his orders to his misfits.
3: Yeah, that's exactly right. You can brute force your way through. It'll take you a little longer and maybe mm-hmm. you'll get hurt more. But if you're paying attention in the moment, making the right choices can yield pretty drastic results.
1: You know, you guys both obviously have a lot of involvement with sort of the overall visual look and feel of the game. Where did you guys start pulling inspirations for the game visually? And how do you sort of decide on that overall look?
2: We really got inspired from early 3D 90s art, which was, let's be honest, when you look at it now, it's horrible. It's like a sphere of um, chrome water and stuff like that. But there was something still special to it. There's something alienist to it. So we started using it and making building worlds with it. It was a little simple. So we looked into new 3d art like procedural art and fractal and we started making landscapes with this stuff and it just created something weird and it creating something unique we hadn't seen in video games so we, we really ran with it and the beauty with that is there's a lot of color that comes with that and color is one of our pillars because i don't know when i see guardians i feel color there's just a colorful world to me it's not drab it's not so color was very important to us so it built out of that and even all these weird shapes were We try to even put them in our characters, like one of our enemies, I don't want to give all spoilers away, but if you see it, his arms are all built of cubes and stuff. So, you know, that comes back to going to primitive shapes and using primitive shapes and everything we do in this game.
1: Oh, yeah. And I never thought I would see feathered bangs fully (laughs) rendered in a video game, but man, Meredith Quill brings it home.
3: (laughs) She is glorious. Yeah. (laughs) Our our concept
2: artist, I think it took him four hours to nail her. It was just all the 80s tropes because he's from the 80s, I'm from the 80s. And we're just like, all right, this is our mom from the 80s. There we go again.
3: Yeah, when we saw it on the Marvel side, our team collectively just screamed. Just,
0: <laughs> just <laughs> seeing her like, yes, she is perfect. <laughs> yeah, it's not just her. It's that, you know, when you meet her, you're in Peter's room as a kid just the wood paneling in that basement, I was like, oh, like it felt like a wave washed over me. I was like, this is so awesomely done. And, and as someone who is probably from that same era, I was like, oh, those look like kind of like robot transformers over here. And then there's, you know, the posters and the magazines, like flipping through a rolling stone and all those things. Like, it's the little touches. The mullet. Yeah, the mullet. Yeah. <laughs> I love that mullet.
2: Yeah, but it was great because... I mean, our industry is getting a little older and when we were like, oh yeah, he's going to be in the eighties, not in the seventies, like in other versions of him, it was all us, like all the directors are all eighties kids. We all lived it. We were all there in those basements and it was such a blast to come up with all those little trinkets.
0: Yeah. Bruno, you were talking about some of the geometric shapes and stuff like that. It makes me think of some of the enemies in particular. There's like the gelatinous cubes. Then inside that are like the, I don't know, spiny things. It's just such a gnarly looking thing. I don't remember ever playing against something like that in a video game. And it was a really fun experience. And then again, with the tactical side of it, I thought, oh yeah, this is clever. It's really fun. There's a moment there where there's a creature that is spitting those out and it's just bonkers. It is wild and super fun. How much fun was it for you and the team to start creating specifically just weird off-the-wall looks specifically for the enemies?
2: Well, that's the beauty of Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, being in a cosmic universe. You're not limited to anything that's earthbound. So all the artists could really run wild. And what I liked about it is we would come up with concepts for original enemies, I would say, and send them to Tim and his team. And then Tim and Bill, I remember Bill as being like, oh, this could be this guy from back in these comic runs. And then we would somehow retrofit it into a character that existed, but it would keep our look. So it was a nice back and forth that way. But creating these enemies, was one of the most fun. The aliens too, when you're in that city, I won't throw the punchline there, but you're in a city and you've got all these enemies and one is just like serpents and a bowl on his head. One has just one eye. I mean, As an artist, as an art director, and as I know my team of concept artists, we all loved it. We all had a blast working on this game.
3: And you can tell. I mean, we could certainly tell how much you guys were enjoying yourselves and how much you were having fun with these designs of aliens and worlds. And we always geeked out on our side, especially when when you laid out those giant pages where it's just the whole economy of, oh, this one faction. These are the characters. These are the ships, these are the monsters, what have you, right? Like, And you really can tell the thought and care that went into designing all these different locations and characters. So yeah, kudos to you guys. And it really shows on screen in the final product, the love and care that went Thanks, into Tim. it, so.
2: <laughs> That's the whole thing about world building is that you can create the most outrageous environment, but as long as your world building and the thought process behind it is is sound, what we'd like to do for alien planets was to create an ecosystem. So like when you go on that second planet, you're on these yellow kind of half sphere trees. Well, there's a reason to that. It's a storm planet. It always hits that. So nothing grows there. But as soon as you go underneath those, there's a lush jungle. There's those red cubes, but there's something that eats those red cubes also. So it's all the thought process and doing that, then brings a real credibility to the world you're building, even though it's completely out there visually.
1: Well, speaking of some of the worlds that you guys have worked on and have built, I mean, so, so much obviously goes into it. And then on top of that, I just think of how many like little pieces have, you know, like that flavor text that you can see through the visor and, and it has so many components to every single little piece of landscape. What were some of your favorite worlds to build and some of your favorite like little details, like those yellow tree ecosystems?
2: Well, that was one of our first ones. I, re- I really, I think, nailed it on that one. That was like when you always create a demo map at the beginning to test all the gameplay and the art. That was it. And then we are like, okay, we have it. We found it. Everything works. It's, it's that. But the one I think me and my team had the most fun creating was uh, that city you go to in uh, Chapter 6, maybe. There's a well-known place in the marvel lore that you visit and that city was so fun because it's colorful there's there's so much details everywhere there's you feel that there's a living breathing world i think to me that was the most fun to create it was hard to create but it was uh, extremely fun
0: tim what was uh, the reaction from the marvel side like when you first walked through nowhere
2: that's it. Nowhere. Sorry, I didn't want to. <laughs> I, didn't
0: want to <laughs> I was talking to Lorraine and one of our producers before we were on. I was like, "Man, I was just walking through nowhere, and I was really slow playing it because I wanted to take my time with it. I'm going through and and having all the conversations with the NPCs. I'm reading, you know, bits and pieces, and I had just walked into the Collector's Emporium, just seeing how it's all placed in here, and the, the unique look. Even there's a, a very important cosmic weapon in the Marvel Universe that is really like easy to see it. I immediately knew what it was, but it looks different from the version that we've seen in the comics, enough where, as you have been talking about, Bruno, like giving it a unique look was really is spectacular. I've been blown away by this game constantly. So it must have been fun for you guys on the Marvel Games team, Tim, to see all this come to life.
3: Yeah, it's always fun seeing the designs and assets and stuff get built, but you can't compare it to when you're walking through the space and actually experiencing it. I remember the first time walking through and, oh, who's this guy? It's like this giant guy trying to sell you tickets or like this this other guy's trying to play cards or, or like, you know, and it's like that throughout the entire city where there's little like narratives and stories that you can experience and it truly makes the space feel alive and and you want to spend time there and find out more about these creatures that live here you know
0: yeah like there's a whole section with a character named lipless which if i didn't walk in there i don't know if i would have experienced that i'm not sure because i did i immediately walked in there
3: it's completely optional yeah there's actually a part two that's also missable
0: i want to make sure i don't fully miss it because i did the whole thing and I, i had a great experience with it it was funny and i was like Man, this is terrific! Is that like that character's design and the way he sounded, the way he looked, everything about it. I'm gonna be singing Storm Riders <laughs> for a while now.
2: Yeah, but like a choice and consequence is sort of the uh, DNA of our team because well, we we come from DSX, and it was for sure we were bringing it back in in Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. In our previous game, you could miss whole huge sections of a game if you didn't do something, but in, we didn't want to do that. But there's a little choice and consequences. And like you were saying, liplessness is like a perfect example, of a choice of consequence. You can't miss them if you don't go into that bar and then you miss something else later. But then you can replay the game too. So
3: And that exists throughout the rest of the game as well. There are kind of moments that come back like a choice you make in the beginning that then kind of pays off at the middle or at the very end. And that is a very kind of like delightful surprise, you know, when you're like, Oh, Oh, that weird little choice that I made kind of helped me out at the end.
1: Oh my gosh. And now I'm going to have to replay and re-choose every (laughs) option. (laughs) It's going to be a full Bandersnatch situation. (laughs) (laughs) The game is so beautiful on so many levels. And I think the costume choices are really fun as well. Also, just like in the very beginning of the game, Star-Lord pulls out his jacket, you know, when it kind of cuts to him as an adult and we see him lift up the jacket. It's so rock and roll. And I was like, this costume makes sense to me on a level that it never has seeing that opening sort of credit scene into... You know, him lifting up that jacket because it's like pure rock and roll. What were some of your inspirations behind the costumes in the game and what were some of your favorite costumes to design? Well, yeah,
2: well, Star-Lord, I actually I designed him. And so I'll have to say that he was one of my favorites, but he was also somehow everything fit together so well. You know, sometimes you work on a main character and you have like 200 iterations. But Star-Lord, I think we nailed him within like 10 to 20 as soon as we got that, uh, this, this, his cosmic name comes from his favorite band when he was a kid, everything meshed. And there was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. So he'll have a cosmic metal punk jacket, you know, with the studs and everything. And then we made kind of alien looking studs on his side of his arms. He's got his Walkman and all that stuff. So for me, Star-Lord, as soon as you find that theme, it was so easy. Apart from that, we did some interesting things, I would say, with Rocket. We tried some human versions of Rocket. Whoa. I'll be honest with you, they were weird. <laughs> I want to see yeah, those I,
0: drawings It, it kind of makes my stomach hurt just hearing that, a human version of Rocket. I can't wait to I think die. they're in the art book. I think there's a few versions. You have to get the art book. But
2: we also have a fat version of Drax. And then story-wise, we realized it doesn't make sense, man. This guy fought Thanos and... And all that stuff and he's like he has to be muscular. It makes Give no us sense.
1: fat Drax. <laughs> Justice for fat Drax. I'm here for thick Drax.
2: <laughs> like I said we ha- we go for extremes and then we dial it back. I think my favorite character is Mantis for not just design reasons because I think design-wise I think we made her ours and she's great but to me it's just the acting. The actress who played her, she makes me laugh out loud which I rarely do while playing a video game but all her scenes are perfect. Yeah, her
0: personality was so unique to this version and but I like I loved her. I was cracking up and just I've only had one scene with her so far and it was great.
2: No one's really at ease when they're around her cuz you know she can see all kinds of versions and everything and she says them out loud which is awkward. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I really got to just echo Lorraine about how amazingly well designed the base look of the Guardians are. And we have a good amount of additional alt costumes, comic costumes and whatnot. There are some that are really, really awesome, but I find myself playing through the game and I've played through the game like a lot of times. Right. (laughs) Uh, and, And actually I agree with you, Bruno, like, it's tough to get those laugh out moments, but as I read the scripts, I consistently laugh out loud. Kudos to Mary and the narrative team to being able to make these characters come alive and feel like they're real people with a quick wit. But yeah, the look wise, I'll switch out a costume to an all costume, but then I'm like, I like the base look. You know, it really has this interesting and dynamic look that does not feel alienating. You definitely look at Star Lord and be like, yeah, that's Star Lord, right? But it just has more personality, more flavor, and 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 I just find myself going back to it all the time.
0: I um you know, you were talking about the script and the acting and everything. And I I think I'd played maybe two chapters or something and I had to put it down for something. And I texted Eric Monticelli, who's a producer on the Marvel Game side, and I was just like, Eric, I love this game. I am having so much fun. It's funny, it is smart it is unique uh, like everything about it i was like gushing to him and so I, I had to make sure i share it with everybody here that it's really great i'm told that it gets even better as we go along so I, i'm excited to stop talking to everyone and go play more soon part of it is also the music in the game so important obviously we talked about the music that ties star lord to his name and everything but i don't know if it's maybe just me in the time frame of the games that i've played but this brought me back to that feeling I had when I played Grand Theft Auto Vice City in some ways of like, you're experiencing this game and then there's a song that comes on and it's just like a pitch perfect blend of the music, the gameplay, the feelings, and the characters. And it all sort of comes around. And also, I just the soundtrack is so fantastic in this. It is nuts. Particularly, I really like the Star-Lord stuff, the stuff tied to the name, how much fun was it for you, Bruno, to build around the music with the art and the vision of Star-Lord, especially like the, the photos of the band? I was like, oh yeah, I definitely had that tape when I was a kid. So it did start off
2: as we found the idea art-wise to do the band thing. And then Steve, our audio director, who is, well, he's an amazing musician, One of his favorite bands is Kiss. So, I mean, just that tells you everything. And he ran with it. And he's the one then who proposed, oh, we could make an original soundtrack of the band and it'd be, you can play it and everything. And then that comes back to me and I'm like, oh, great. Now we have to do an LP cover. Then we have to do a cassette inside. I was like, oh, it's awesome. Then getting more inspired by all those, well, especially I would say like Iron Maiden. I I really liked their artwork in the 80s of, not this, we didn't copy the style or anything, but just the idea that they had a mascot and everything was based around this mascot, Eddie. And so we did a bit the same thing. Ours is a uh, Space Rider, you know. And then he comes back. Uh, I know we have a, a comic book with Space Rider, a
3: music video,
2: a nice music video too. That if you see the long version, you do see Steve, our audio director. He's the one singing in the, the VHS uh, old style uh, tape. So I think everything was perfect on every level. Everything hit. We were all. When you find passion with something and it just falls in everything you love, then it's so easy to create great stuff. But recreating the stuff for Star Lord's band was was awesome. And I wish we could do I wish we could do more. And then the rest of the music, the license track is great because we didn't go for all serious 80s music. You know, we go for the funny, weird tracks and they somehow fit in our game. Steve made it work. So the the soundtrack is all over the place in a good sense.
1: Well, we have to release you into the wild soon, but I need to ask this question. Do you have any tips or tricks or or even just places that you should make sure that you don't miss something optional to play through? Tips
3: and tricks. I would just say pay attention to the enemies. And if you pay attention to kind of like what they do, how they react, I think it'll make the game more fun.
2: And I will say don't sleep on your visor to find little secret areas or little lures, because we hit a lot of little Easter eggs and lures in the game, which even in the first map in the quarantine zone, if you look around, there's some interesting spaceship debris that can be found.
0: Yeah. And there's a like upgrade you can get for your visor to help point out like pickups and stuff yeah. that'll help you remind yourself to use the visor more which is something that i found helpful as i was have been playing but unlock everything go crazy (laughs) i'm excited for fans to really experience the game more and more and i'm i'm excited to stop talking to everybody and go play more that's what i'm gonna do yeah me too so that's a good sign bruno tim thank you for joining us here on the show and congrats on a friggin great game
3: thank you guys Thank thank you very much
0: Big thanks once again to Tim and Bruno for coming on the show and being awesome and talking about Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, which of course is available now on PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series, X and S, P, C, and Nintendo Switch Cloud version. Go play the dang game. It friggin' rules. I should say it flarkin' rules.
1: Yeah. So next week is going to be Landing on Disney Plus Day for this episode launch, so we want to ask you, what is your favorite Marvel series or film or cartoon or anything on Disney Plus?
0: Man, that's so tough. There's so much good stuff. Of course, like my nostalgia button gets punched for the X-Men animated series, but then we've got Marvel Studios' WandaVision, and of course, Marvel Studios' What If... One of my favorite things, though, is Spidey and his amazing friends, because I watch one episode every Saturday morning with Catherine together, and it's a really special thing to have that great show.
1: Yeah. I mean, obviously, all of the new series are phenomenal, but it is fun to go back and watch. I laughed so hard at the first episode of Spider-Woman. It is... (laughs) When she just falls out of a helicopter in front of her nephew and he's like, "Ah!" (laughs) (laughs) my aunt just died in front of me. And then later she's like, oh, I'm fine. What's up? Love it. But man, so many amazing premium series, like 20 MCU films, I think, are on there currently. There's so much good stuff. But tell us what you think. You can tweet your answers using the hashtag This Week in Marvel. Email them to twim podcast at marvel.com or you could send us a message on our facebook page at facebook.com slash this week in marvel and of course as always please tell us if they are okay to read so we can read them on the show
0: with that in mind it's time for the community section and before we get into some of the tweets and stuff we got from y'all i just want to give a shout out to my buddy gene who's a dedicated listener to the show he's been in and out of the hospital for a while and we're pulling for him the day we're recording he's hopefully getting out of the hospital so gene we're thinking of you buddy
1: any good vibes good vibes good vibes all right and our question of the week last week was who is your favorite character in marvel's guardians of the galaxy we got some great answers here first up from Brittany at dandelion brit which says cosmo of course gotta love a powerful telepathic space pup oh what a good boy
0: he's so good Next up is Daniel Ricardo at Daniel C4VTR, who says Drax for me. He was always making me laugh through the entire game.
1: Next up we have Benjamin Bennett at NASA Fan, who says my pick is Gamora for this week in Marvel. I don't know about you, but martial arts is my thing.
0: <laughs> I love that answer. It's great. Thank you, Benjamin. Carlos at Carlos underscore Esconde says, Star-Lord, of course I'm a sucker for down-on-their-luck dudes with cool masks.
1: Love that visor. Jamie Kelsey at jkelsey6892 says, I love Mantis. She's clearly so powerful and is a source of knowledge while still being a ball of wholesome, creepy goodness.
0: Yes. (laughs) She's, oh my God, she's so good in this game. Hey, it's Leo Wilde at Leo Wilde, who's a huge Rocket Raccoon fan. So he says, As... Raccoonatic Commander, the answer in any context is Rocket Raccoon. Always Rocket Raccoon. <laughs> and the Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy game team did an awesome job with Rocket. I can be a tough critic when it comes to that subject, he says. Happy 45th anniversary, Rocket. This is flarkin' okay to read.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So good. Happy 45th birthday, Rocket. That's a good one. Next up, we have disciple Eight. at Silvers91B, which said, I love this version of the Guardians of the Galaxy so much. Every character was so wonderful. My favorite has to be Drax, though. He makes me laugh throughout the entire game and his character arc made me so emotional. Shout out to Virtual Brandon, Brandon Paul Ellis, for a masterful performance.
0: Yeah, I can't speak highly enough of Brandon's performance. Mm -hmm. There's some work done with his facial animations. Like they had their rigs, around their heads to capture their their Mm -hmm. acting really, really close up. And so that what you see on the screen are the actors. And so there's some emotional things where Drax, sometimes he's talking and sometimes he's not, but the things he does with his eyes and his mouth, it's like, oh my God, he crushed it. I was devastated and also laughing throughout Drax's story. It's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. All right. One more from the Kawaii Prince at Colin J. And... Colin says, Ryan's British old lady voice sounds just like my very old British grandmother. I win. Hello, <laughs> dearies. Colin's right.
1: Me voice is perfect. We need to give that lady a name so she can hang out with British kitty in the city. Oh, yeah, Terry <laughs> Mew, mew. I'm <Oi>, a kitty. <laughs> well, this is devolved.
0: Colin or anybody else out there, if you have a name for my ridiculous old lady British voice, please tweet it to me. We need to give her a good name.
1: Absolutely.
0: That is it, y'all. That wraps up this episode of This Week in Marvel, which was produced by Zachary Goldberg, Isabel Robertson, Lorraine Sink, and Ryan Panagos.
1: Our audio development manager is Brad Barton.
0: And Jill DeBoff is our director of audio.
1: And special thanks to just everybody who's listened to this podcast over the last decade. We truly could not do it without you. Otherwise, we would just be sitting in front of our computers with no point or purpose. So thank you for giving our life's purpose over this past decade. Yeah. I'm Ryan. I'm Lorraine. And this is Marvel. Your universe.